are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me, as always, Mr. Kevin Durso. Kevin, it's been a minute. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. We're uh, we're back here. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, hey, make sure to subscribe over there, by the way. Uh, you'll <laughs> notice that I am in a new studio here. We're in the process of getting it all set up, but... Uh, uh, yeah, so we have some Flyers news to get to. If if you're watching on our YouTube channel, you'll notice that I am also wearing an interesting jersey. We'll talk about that a little <laughs> later, too. One of our bigger stories on the day. Uh, and then I did just want to let people know off the top here that next week is going to be a playoff preview, so make sure you're back here for that. Uh, games are going to start on Monday. That episode should be out on Sunday at some point. So uh, make sure to come back, check out the YouTube channel, subscribe over there. All right, let's get into it. Uh the big story, and of course it happens the day after our last show, as is tradition here on the podcast, uh, <laughs> is actually a story that has nothing to do with the on-ice product. I know we've been Correct. talking kind of about the off-ice stuff for most of the season, and that reigns true here, too, mm-hmm. uh, with the announcement that Dave Scott, at the end of the season, will be done. Uh, he will be retiring. Dan Hilferty will, be, will take over as, as the president of the team is the role, Correct. Uh, no, governor of the team. Governor of the team. I'm sorry. Right. So, basically, look, this is a big deal. This story, obviously, because it's a big deal because it's it's right at the top. This is this is you know, the name. Well, sure, and and I think that the key here is is that maybe maybe more so than when Dave Scott took over, you now have a, a new face to put to ownership and can actually identify it from day one, like. I don't I don't know if when everything was going on, I certainly don't recall it this way, that people like went out of their way to know who Dave Scott was. I think like now I think everybody was like if it wasn't going to be Dave familiar with Dave Scott's name, especially in the last 18 months or so. Well, I I think that that was also in some that's somewhat self-inflicted, though, because when you put yourself out there in the way that he did in that January press conference. Then all of a sudden, everybody kind of it, it very much becomes a well. Okay, who the hell are you? Maybe I should find out who more about you. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I don't recall when he took over though for the first several years too that there was really this much interest in who was really overseeing the whole thing. And now, obviously, there is. Um, you know, hopefully, Dan Hilferty is more involved in that sense by being a face and being somebody that you can identify with ownership i don't think anybody out there uh, even among flyers fans as you know for as much vitriol as there can be around the fan base for everything they want i don't think anyone's asking for an owner like ed snyder or ownership to be somebody with this really big reputation you know in the same vein jerry jones or al davis or okay in the same (laughs) right yeah i I had jerry jones too written down but i also like a jerry jones a mark cuban even the whole concept of the possibility that Ryan Reynolds is part of this ownership group that would want to buy auto. Like it puts somebody out there and there's a reputation behind that person that follows them. And it may have nothing to do with the team itself. Like there's another reason why they're popular for whatever reason. Right. Like, or even in hockey, a situation like the Wirtz family, where you have a family that is not afraid to be in the public eye for good or for bad. Well, sure. And I don't, and I, that's the thing. I just don't think that's necessary to be that kind of level reputation kind of guy you know what i mean like you just want to have somebody who you know has a pulse on the organization and can recognize what everyone else is seeing like that was the big thing with dave scott it really wasn't whether or not you know i mean it it comes down to this that he didn't know enough about the game because the idea was 
if you knew enough about the game, you would see what everybody else sees. You would make a change. That's what it came down to. You just want somebody who recognizes what's good is good, what's bad is bad, weed out the bad, stick with the good, find More a way to good make stuff, work. less of the bad stuff. Right. And, and and good in very, very different ways, too. Like, it doesn't have to just be figure out who's a good player, who's not, who's a good GM right. and who's not. That's not even the, the totality of what you need to be able to do. You also need to be able to resonate with the fan base from a business. And, and look, I don't want to put it all on the change here with, with Hilfrey because – that's part of what Val Camillo does, you know, like that's part of the, the business side of running the team. And I think that there have probably been things that have been done that venture towards making that part of it better, maybe making game experience a little bit better. It's hard to see when the team is the way that it is and the interest level is low. But I think that there are things that happen that you're trying to get there. Sure. It's now it's now the part is get the right team in place to build the team that wins and brings people in because that's what everybody really wants. And that that's what presents the next step of the whole equation, which is you can make changes like we've seen over the last six weeks. You can change the general manager and you can change the CEO of Comcast Spectacor. At the end of the day, on the surface, today, it is just another ex-flyer in a management position and another suit on the business side. Yep. Danny Briere and Dan Hilferty are certainly two newer figures to the process, and maybe that helps it take a step forward. You still have to weed out the bad, right, or at least the things yes. that maybe aren't working. So you have to weed out the old-school mindset and truly stick to the process of building this team from the ground up that takes years of drafting, years of development, several instances of getting it right, finding that diamond in the rough. There's a ton of work to do, and – a lot of it's going to have to be done just this offseason just to keep the team on the right track in terms of getting the right people in place to do that process. That's where the, a lot of the work happens now. You need to get the right people in place to keep everything moving. And then we'll talk about we're going to be talking about players for the next three, four, five years yep. about who really factors in on the ice. But the biggest work that needs to be done is right now because – Whoever you hire, you got to assume is not going to be done in three years. You have to hope that's the case, right? Like when you're hiring president of hockey ops or making sure or saying Danny Briere is full-time GM, which it very much looks like is going to be the case. Right. Then you better make sure you're right about this for the next three, four, five years also. And that has to happen today. It can't happen next year or the year after and be like, well, wait, we made another mistake. Let's try to backtrack and do it again. Like, you're going to be too far behind the process. So that's the big deal with this story is that, you know, listen, at the very least, you got what you wanted to see at the very top of the whole thing. Now somebody else. And and I believe that I had brought this up the last time when we kind of talked about when Chuck Fletcher got fired, really, which is, OK, now that that change has been made, you know, and all the stuff that Danny said about. I got to talk to Dave and Dan about what you know, what the involvement is of the advisors and all that stuff. Well, then that meant we knew Dan Hilferty was going to have his fingerprints on something moving forward. Yep. And now obviously he's going to, because this has happened. The retirement thing has happened for Dave Scott. Hilferty's going to take over, you know, let's see how much of, you know, he, he just, he is a self-described tenacious flyers fan. Let's see yep. how much of us, let's see how much of one he is by getting this role. And, you know, Obviously, Dan Hilferty is an accomplished individual. You know, you don't reach the levels he has reached without individual accomplishment. And he's done all the things right. Mm -hmm. But he's a voracious fan. And he's now in the driver's seat. And it's not the same as playing NHL on the PlayStation. 
but he's doing about as close to the real life version as as it can possibly be. He's not looking at it as a business asset. Well, I mean, he is. I'm sure. sure. I'm sure there is a business aspect to it. Don't get it wrong. But I think the one thing that this city will love and will appreciate and that will resonate with this city is the fact that he wants the team to win. He well, wants to parade exactly down it. Broad Street. Yep. Well, that's exactly. But that's exactly it, though. If look, is he another suit? Is he? Does he want to help it be profitable? Of course he does. But here's the thing: he also seems like he knows, as a self-described tenacious Flyers fan, what what what's good business? Winning. Winning yep. is going to be good business for you. Flyers Playoff. fans fill seats, buy merch, and will pay a billion dollars uh, no. for tickets and no. beer. The real and the real answer is, you know what? What winning business is? Playoff games because mm-hmm. because it's all profit. Because you're done paying the players, right? It's all profit. So if you make the playoffs again, oh, and you, and you, and you, and you have that good money for playoffs. Well, and and think it, but think about it. You played yeah, made money on playoff tickets in a long time. Well, because every year that they've played played in the playoffs recently, they've played three games at home and or yeah, three games at home because both are six games years. in the bubble. Well, but that's the point. Like the last, the only other time you can think of since 2012, where they played more than just the three home games they would get from a first round series, they were in a bubble where you got okay. Look, they would have had three home games in that six game series against Montreal, and then a seven game series where they were the designated home team. Wait, wait a minute, four more? Like, that's that would, that was profitable. A lot. Yep, that's a that lot was of a money lot. for you when it comes down to it, right? Like, that's what you should be striving for from a business standpoint. But the but that's the point. Good business is ha- having something worth investing in from a fan perspective. And if you are a self-described tenacious fan, you should know that. You know, you should know what's worth your time and money as a, fa- as a fan. And I understand he's not going to be the average tenacious fan because he's got a ton of money. So... You know, and money is, sometimes is not an object for people like that. But, you know, and, nonetheless. And this is a pretty quick insertion. He he took over his role with Comcast, what, eight weeks ago? Pretty much. I mean, it was, it was you know what? It was Valentine's Day and that, that release came out. So less than that. So we're talking it's five, about six two, weeks we're, ago. We're, we're literally talking as we speak right. just about two months. So Dan is not stepping Stepping down in terms of stepping down towards the hockey side of things in the corporate hierarchy, he's stepping down one step closer to the Flyers because he knows that that's where his attention, I mean, not where his attention needs to be. I'm sure Comcast has other things for him to do as well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's where his personal interest focus is going to be. He inserted himself into this position because he wants to have more a more direct impact on the franchise. And that and is I, that is the move of someone who knows the kind of changes that need to be made. And there's two really important things. One more from the very beginning of when he got actually hired and one more recent that kind of come into play. Because one goes exactly to what you're saying that it's not going to be the only thing he's focused on because – and listen – there's two sides to this particular discussion, so don't ex- I don't expect it to go anywhere per se, but he, at least, Hilferty, was quoted recently about the whole idea of Wells Fargo Center and the relationship they have with the Sixers because the Sixers don't own anything. They literally are a tenant. Yep. And Hilferty made it, like, expressed, we might be open to selling them part of the building if that's what they want. Like, if they want to be part of, like have ownership of the if the oh, bill ownership of the building or part of it like 
like Comcast is still going to be all flyers the all the time. But the property itself, it's like, listen, we'll listen on that if that's what it is, because they want to have the ability to utilize the arena the way that they like or whatever the case may be. It's like, we'll listen. Now, the Sixers don't sound very interested in that with this big proposal they've got for an arena in downtown Center City, you know, all that kind of stuff. And look, whatever, you know, that's, you know, they've got the the right to do that as well because it's a different ownership group. It's, you It'll know, be so interesting to see if that happens, but that's sure. But at least it tells the podcast. Well, no, but, but at least it tells you Hilferty's involvement at, from a Comcast Spectacor standpoint, which owns the Flyers, owns Wells Fargo Center is kind of still tied into, well, hey, listen, there's this other resident of the building that is threatening to leave because they, they're they basically renting it. The wings. So, well, no, the wings are owned by them, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. But, okay. Right. Are they yeah. actually? Okay. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, the, but like, the idea is, okay, the, the, the NBA team is threatening to leave. We could try to do something about that. Maybe we'll listen and do this. So he's got a business standpoint on that, too, where it's like, hey, listen, they're threatening to leave. Make it, make it attractive I'll negotiate. to keep them as We'll attendant. make it work. Sure. Yeah. And so he, so clearly it means he's not all business with the Flyers, like to be talking about that type of stuff. But the thing that I want to go back to that was from the very beginning was how, you know, this hiring kind of goes under the radar in February. It doesn't sound like it's much of anything. Like it, it, they, people were even told, don't read into it because he's only working from like the upper parts of Comcast in general. Well, not going to have involvement with the team. Funny how that changes. General man- well, right. When it funny how it changes when a general manager is out. And you need to make wholesale changes to the organization because they're, they're standing outside Wells where's Fargo shor- Center with where's with your short Pittsburgh. house again? Avalon. Seattle? Um, no, he grew. No, he grew up. Uh, what for Hilferty? He grew up in yeah. Ocean City. Or he, Ocean, yeah, he grew City. Up in Ocean okay. City. He lives in. Were you thinking of? You said Avalon because he lives in Ardmore. Ah, oh, he lives in Ardmore. Okay, okay. So, so it, it takes about twenty-five minutes to get from Ardmore to the Wells Fargo Center. Hello, yeah, hello. Come on. <laughs> Hello, McFly. We, and listen, I love it. For the record, I love it. Because quite right. frankly, I'm jealous. I want to be... I'll be honest with you. I haven't really looked up and seen a picture of Dan Hilferty. I'm dressing as Dan Hilferty for Halloween for the rest of all time. Because he's living my dream. Come on. Come on. <laughs> somebody, hands you, somebody hands you the keys... Capital T, capital K, the keys to the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. Here you go. Right. Come yeah. on. But either way, I just found, I, I've always found that part fascinating. They don't read into it. He's not going to have direct involvement with the Flyers. Six weeks later, he's the new. He's going to be the new governor of the Flyers by June. Like he's he like the, he's going to be the new president to, of hockey ops by the draft. No, he won't be the new president. <laughs> I know. I no, but, know. But, but I do I do want to make that clarification by the way that so quite literally we're doing the show a little different this week because you know Easter Sunday game and you yep. know nighttime and all that stuff it was a little bit messed up you know schedule wise so we're doing it on a Monday night instead happy a Easter. week from the time happy Easter to everybody out there who who celebrates yeah. yes um quite literally a week from today when you know from when we're talking Dan Hilferty is the CEO of Comcast Spectacor. Yep. It, uh, it it I, he does not take over as the governor of the Flyers until I believe it would be the, it's the new league year. Okay. So it's you know so it's once everything really kicks in it's post it's post Stanley Cup it's you know all that kind of stuff. Right. So it's it's right around like you know it's it's right as it, it, sort of right around I think July first is when that happens or 
something like that. Or it's either June or July 1st. I'd have to go back and double check to make sure. Well, but it's, it's, it's going to have first... to be after June 1st because the, the Stanley Cup usually runs into June. Well, if just... if that was the case, I, like, I don't know exactly. Like, what I'm saying is, is that there was I, a caveat into it. They put a date on it. When, it's one when of this year ends and it kicks over into next year. Either way, it's not going to matter. He's involved in the process moving forward of finding your next most important He can important do whatever position. he wants right now. He has the position as much as he wants to have the position right now. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> but either way, so that pretty much puts a bow on the off-ice stuff because, you know, this is the big change that's going to happen. We have nothing else really. Like I said, Danny Brayer is probably, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if by the time we're recording next week, you know, you know which will be, we'll be back to this. an official day. title. That he has an official that he that the title is official. I'll yeah. call it that. That they remove the you know, tag. Because they're right now they're really just trying to get through the exit interview portion, like get through the last couple games, do the exit interviews, all that type of stuff. Like I fully you know what? I'll tell you exactly when I think it really could happen. It's probably the Monday news drop next week. Okay. Like it feels like do the weekend, do the whole thing. All right, the players part, like the player portion's done. We won't hear from any like the players for, until we have to again. Danny Breer is the GM. You know, like it really feels like we're, they're going to make that decision quick. Um, Monday, I saw some, I did, M- Monday, April 10th. I'm going to ask you Eric Lindros versus the field for the president of hockey ops job. You know, I haven't really heard much of Lindros stuff lately, to be honest. Like, I don't know. May, look, I don't know whether he was talked to about it or not. I don't really think, you know, whatever it was, I don't think much of it just because I haven't heard his name floating around there as much. It sounds like Ray Shero's name is really out there. Um, I've heard a I lot about it. Now I, did, now, I did see an interesting caveat, which uh, I believe uh, Anthony DeMarco had this. Um, fourth period, by the way, just in case anybody doesn't know where to find yeah. his stuff. Um, although he's been killing it lately, so people really should by this point. Um, the idea is that they're not – the concept is, is that – People are not sure if Shero's going to go into that president role or if he wants a GM job again because let's not forget the New Jersey Devils are making the playoffs this year. Could still win the Metro. On his resume, basically. Right, and his fingerprints are all over that. So he may try to use that to get himself a full-time GM job versus, you know, president of hockey to kind of retire upstairs into a hockey option well it just yeah which again it's like you know again you're the direct line of communication between general manager in between ownership you're overseeing a lot of the other departments things like that um i so i don't know like i'm just saying that his name's been out there a lot i've seen dave poolin's name come up um and poolin for the record now again i know everybody immediately jumps to x flyer captain oh boy you know like right but, but in terms of management, by the way, Poulin's worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs under Brian Burke, no less. So, like, you know, there's a history there that maybe, you know, and he's still a broadcaster. He still works for TSN. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he if he – I don't know if he's at the – I wouldn't say he's, like, at the top of the list or anything like that. I, I really think that they're leaning – like, there is, you know – there's a lot of there's a lot that makes sense about Shiro because of the fact that he's done stuff like this before. He's kind of built teams from the ground up a couple times here. Yeah, so. mentioned New Jersey Devils. No, he's and, well, and he's done it with Pitt, and he's done it with Pittsburgh too. Yeah, like, you can't deny that. So like that dude loves rebuilding Metro teams. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And then like, look, is it only natural that they're you know because he does that you know. 
within his family, there's a flyer connection in, yep. in, in both ways, by the way, because, you know, his obviously his father has a great place in flyers history, but his son is also already working for the team. Right. So it's like, you kind of have a couple of avenues here where it's like, does it make sense? Sure. It does. But you know, but there is still that idea. And, and again, he teeters on that age group where it's like, do you get more young, like do you get younger and more progressive or do you kind of go somewhat old school way, but a guy who's at least done it in, you know, this century, you know, right. He doesn't have to be an analytics guy, but in certain situations, he's got to be willing to listen to. You right. Know, you need the, to know where you're guys. going. with that. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's really what it is. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, I don't. I don't want to try to give too much insight onto things that I don't really completely know where they're going. Sure. We know. We know that there's a lot of work to be done. Right now, it feels more and more like get to the end of the season, and then we'll really start to hear a lot more. I mean, here here's the other part of the problem too, and this kind of feeds into something that Elliot Friedman said way back when, at the very beginning of all this like process and stuff. There's going to be a lot of names out there, and there have been. Like, it's almost like you could sit there and say, any it, like if you're in the hockey business in any way, you may have been linked to the job already. Because they you know might have I mean? called you which, about it. Well, no, which kind of to an extent turns all of this speculation into throw something against the wall. Eventually, it'll stick. You know, that is fair. Like that's the truth of the matter. So I don't like, want to get too into the possibilities. I'm I just know that Shero's name has been out there for a while like from almost the very beginning and that hasn't died down, which at least me makes me believe it's more credible than like the idea of, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody who we like, we heard for an instant and then like not anymore. Like, I don't really think I've heard like Friedman mentioned Ed Olchek. And I think Ed Olchek has wanted to do something with the flyers for a while. Truthfully. Like I think that there've been opportunities there potentially in the past. There's been enough smoke surrounding, him, but I don't know that, that I believe that there's been some fire at some point. Well, at some point, but I don't know in this instance if it's gone any further For than sure. the, the first mention. You know what I mean? Like even even Chris Pronger, I don't ha like I don't have anything further beyond that initial mention. You know, to go, oh, that's that's a possible. It's, a, it's the same thing with the Lindros thing. Yeah. I haven't heard anything further that suggests, oh, he's definitely in this thing. But Shero's name keeps coming up, and you start to you start to think about that. I've seen a couple like Poulin's name has come up quite a bit. I've seen, and again, it's fun, like I, I remember what I told you recently too, because I even said you're gonna hear player like the former player thing is just a real thing that happens a lot of places. It's yeah. kind of hard to avoid because players play in a lot of different places and they have a history. So, for example, Scott Mellenby's name came up. Now, Scott Mellenby has been an assistant GM for various teams at this point, right? Like, it's not like he's all connected to the Flyers all the time, even though he played right. here in the 80s. Right. So, he was a name that he's been around. Like, as a matter of fact, the, we all really know the real backstory with Mellonby at this stage of his career, which was the intention or the, the idea was he was supposed to be the de facto GM in Montreal after everything fell apart with Bergevin. Yep. And they, and they didn't give it to him. So he left. Hey, so speaking of former players and Montreal real quick. Did you see Martin St. Louis, the little shootout move he pulled in practice the other day? I did see something. About oh that. my goodness. He He's back, he does a little half, you know, <laughs> fake turn back skates across the crease and just absolutely dummies the goalie. Like he, it's, um, 
it's unfair. He's in his like fifties and just he's, looks incredible. He's still got those Hall of Fame hands, so <laughs> and oh yeah. Like come on. All right. Um, um but, I was uh, say anything else we have to say about the, the, the flyers. Not the front office stuff. Let's get to the uh, stuff here. Yeah. Yeah, let's get to the other stuff. Because we do okay. have an on an on the ice story to talk about, I guess. We have a couple at this point. Like we have a couple to get into. So um number one, yeah, they're on a seven game losing streak. Have they uh, lost every game since our last show? Uh let me check and see from I'm, the exa- I'm pulling the- it up, but I believe it is. No, not quite. They won against Montreal um, after we did our last show, and then they start. Well, and here's the thing. They had every reason to lose against Ottawa. That game was getting out of hand, and they rallied back and got it to overtime, which, yeah, you know, like, just one of those ty- it's, it's one of those types of competitive games, right, like, that we've seen from them. And then kind of since then, there's been this downward trajectory of the quality within the game. The end of the season is starting to set in and combine that with the fact that the playoff teams are really kind of starting to crank it up and get into gear and really get the machine oiled. Uh, we're seeing a lot more blowout games in the NHL these days. A lot more well, seven, seven ones and eight nothings. And, yeah. and the Flyers well, exactly. are on the poor end of that as, you know, as one of the bottom teams. Well, and that's, and that's one of the things because we're going to get into the last game that they played on Sunday night. And yeah, you know, for a game that based on the way that everything was going, I fully expected to not be competitive. I'll give them credit. They did compete in that game. Yeah, but they didn't well, compete with the Boston Bruins. Well, no, no, that, I'm saying they, they competed. Did. No, they competed with the oh, Providence well, Bruins. It, well, because they had a bunch of other players. Because in the they were missing, they were missing Bergeron, uh, McAvoy, Bergeron, McAvoy, Krejci. Yeah, but Krejci's been out for a little while, so that's not sure. Like, you know, I get it. But you know what I'm saying? We weren't. They weren't exactly playing the. I mean, well, do we want to just what happened when? Well, we're not going to get no because I want to. Okay. I want to make sure okay. that we get yeah. off of the seven game thing and just be done. Because the other part of the equation here is that during that time they were officially eliminated from the playoffs, which was inevitable. We but all like, knew nonetheless, it was right. you know. But that's no all. I'm like, I, I understand where you're coming from with what kind of team Boston puts out there at the at the end there. But but uh, for me, just looking at the last handful of games leading up to, for the same group of players, by the way. You know, like this, it's this, it was this, they rolled out pretty much the same same game for the most part. Yeah. Right. I'm just looking at the way in St. Louis, in Dallas, against the Islanders, this just looked like a team that's ready for it all to be over. Like it was pretty poor quality games. They were not competitive. I believe that, well, it eventually, and obviously it eventually ended up happening against the Islanders too, but from the Ottawa game to the Islander game, because the Boston game is the only game on the seven-game losing streak that this has not happened, ironically. And that's why I say I give them credit for playing a competitive game that night. And actually, it wasn't like the others. Against Ottawa, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Dallas, and the Islanders in those six games, they fell behind by at least three goals every single time. Which, to me, tells you that's a team ready for it all to be over. Like, ready to go season can't, The season can't yeah. end soon enough. So... A question for you, just as one of the things that kind of popped up towards the back half of this seven-game losing streak. Okay. What, what's the story with 77? Where does he go from here? He's been Somewhere else scratched. eventually? Well, I mean, that's the idea, right? But, I mean, he's he's been healthy scratched, and he's making too much money to be healthy well, scratched. And, and it, well, it, it, 
it, no, it's not that he's making. I understand what you're saying. He's well, making money to be, but no. But here, here's how this happens. At the end of the day, when the head coach is telling you, I haven't talked to him about, about it. It probably means there wasn't much of a conversation to be had. That probably, probably, probably your head coach saying, "I haven't talked to him." Well, no, probably the player, you know, went to near the next in line. Probably, like, so let's say Bradshaw, you know, the assistant who runs the defenseman. Let's just say that is the example, and probably decides that that or says something that obviously gets back to Torts, and then Tortorella makes up his own mind and goes, "Fine, I'm not playing him then." done like like that's how these things work if you have a rift and i don't you know i i will i'll say this for tortorella he didn't deny that part of it like (laughs) he just said i'm we're not like i haven't spoken to him okay fine but like at least he didn't deny like that there's there's potentially something here you know there's 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 definitely tension well but you can say that for a bunch of players at this point like fair enough like obviously at this point, the way that Kevin Hayes has looked over the last several weeks, he is definitely one of those players probably looking for a ticket out of here. He looks thoroughly um, disinterested in being a Philadelphia Flyer because and I don't he blame is. him. No, no, and, well, and, and you him. can't blame him. exactly anybody but, over the age of about twenty three and who's not fighting for a roster spot on this team in two, three, four years. I don't blame them for wanting a ticket out of town right. at this point. Well, and you know what? But 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 there's this is the interesting part, and this is where you can tell the difference. Because um, what game was it? I want to say it was the Dallas game, I believe. That James Van Riemsdyk got in a fight. And it's like, James Van Riemsdyk knows damn well he's playing his final two games as a flyer coming up, right? Well, like, right. he knows it's over. But he's still going to fight somebody to defend a teammate, whereas you've got other guys who you're looking at and you're going, you know, Kevin Hayes just wants his ticket out of here. And, and he's like, Drag, you know, he and he's dragging, and and D'Angelo is starting to fall into the same category. Not that D'Angelo never went out and played. D'Angelo just hasn't been that good. Let's be real; he just hasn't been that good. But you know what the difference is between those players in that situation, by the way? What's that? JVR is auditioning for a new contract. Well, he still has something to go out there and play for, and it's literally just adding dollars to his. You know what, though. I'm sorry. I think D'Angelo would fall into the same category because you know what's really easy to do if he, if he doesn't want to be here and Torch doesn't want him here? You buy out that last year because it's only going to be about a $1.67 million cap hit for two more years. But what's the look, difference? But if I point if I point you at those two players right. and tell you that one of them is going to react to this by coming out and being feisty and trying to be a leader and tr- proving that he has some physicality and some feistiness – and one of them is going to go sulk in a corner and take stupid penalties. Which one do you think is going to go in which direction? Well, I, I hear you. I know what you're talking about. But like <laughs> the kid with consistent attitude problems, I'm going to pick him to be the one who does not handle. Well, that's well. look. That's but that's well, and that's why I'm. But that's why I'm saying. Why do you think the buyout sounds easier? What team? Yep. You know, what team is trading for him for one year at five million dollars? Unless, like, honestly, and I had oh, this no, conversation in the. Yep. No, I had this conversation in like this came up in the press box last night and I was talking to Russ Cohen about this and Russ even made a great suggestion. He goes, who's the only team like possibly if Arizona needs to get to the cap floor, maybe they'll say, do who it. wants them like Arizona. Well, maybe? At this, yeah. And at this point, if if you're an NHL team and. Why would you sign him? Well, and it's and it's beside the point. I'm not trying to make this like a like pile a pile on session here. That's it's just fair. where it's because it's no, it's just where it's at. Like we can all read between the lines at this point. The guy's been scratched for three straight games. Yep. 
for God's sake, they dressed 13 forwards and five defensemen where, listen, reality is if you didn't want to play him that badly, call up a defenseman. They went 13-5. Yeah, well, they went 13-5 yeah. because Nick Sealer was sick, which I understand. But still, okay, if you didn't you got know a guy that, you're paying $5 million. You can get Phantoms him in the lineup if you want to. By the way, we didn't include this, but I'll just mention it now. The Phantoms yeah. clinched a playoff oh, yeah. spot on they Saturday, which, which is really good for them, by the way. That's awesome for player development. Awesome. But that's because no, that's awesome for player development. Like Sam Harrison, Sam Harrison's getting playoff games. Awesome. That's really good news. But, okay, they clinched a playoff spot. Do they have anything left to play for? Then get Ronnie Adder back up yep. and let him play. Yep. You know, call up. Like, there's there's been, like, there's uh, Tortorella hinted that a defenseman, another defenseman may get a call up on Tuesday. So call him up now. You know, call him up for Sunday. Let him play. I wonder... I wonder if he knows that he's blowing his shot at playing for his childhood team. I look, I don't know. Like, and we can get off it now. I'm not going to keep sticking on it, but I oh, just because, like, because, because look, it, it, we come what, on what, kid. What, what did I tell you from the beginning? If there was something to come up with, if there was going to be something that happened, we were going to know about it. And I don't know the specifics of what happened, but he's done something to piss off his coach because his coach doesn't want to play. him. Look at his tape. That's what he's done to piss off his coach. Yeah, but here's the thing. Even and for, he's probably had a garbage attitude about it. Well, no, but here's the thing. I, I look. I can't speak to that because I haven't heard anything about I've, that. But you don't even need to hear about it. Look at his attitude I know, on I'm the just, ice. I, I understand, but he, I'm not. He picks like, up a, miscon- a misconduct twice a month just for mouthing off. <laughs> well, I'll, and, and I'll give you the I'll give you the empty netters when they get scored on at the end, and he just comes back and he's slamming his stick and breaking it into a million pieces because that's the way he reacts to things. I get that. I'm just talking about the part with Tortorella where it's like, listen, if something was going to happen, we were going to find out about it in one way or another. Yep. And and the thing, but the thing about Tortorella is, is that he can put up with all of that. He can put up with the attitude. He can put up with the feistiness and all the other stuff that he does because he likes how he plays on the edge, right? Until it until he does something that pisses him off, right? Yep. But it it doesn't matter, you know what leads to whatever pisses Tortorella off whenever something like at whatever point that sets him, whatever something sets him off, he'll make his, he, he makes up his mind. He yep. does whatever he wants to do as the coach. And it's as simple as that. And if that lead, look, I, I don't think it's any coincidence, not, not any coincidence, but it's like, it's no secret that the, like his name was out there, not at the deadline per se, but it was like, listen, it's not working. You know, yep. shocker, it's not working. The guy that you traded three draft picks for that you didn't have any business in putting on your team so in the that first you could place. Sign him. Right. That you didn't have any business putting on your team in the first place because what was it going to solve? What did you think you were getting? The guy from Carolina last year who played with uh Jacob Slavin. <laughs> Sorry, there's no Jacob Slavin on this team. You know, so you're not getting nope. that. So I've I've pro Jacob Slavin, I'm sorry. And it, but it, but it would just be like at this point, I don't care what which method you use. If it's buyout or if it's a trade, it doesn't matter which it's going to be. Get them off the hockey point. team. No, it's not a matter of just like that. You have to do it. It's just whatever, whichever way it goes, because if because that's what they're headed towards. It, it just puts a bow on the on the one of the biggest debacles that Chuck Fletcher ever had as general yep. manager. Because you should have never made that deal in the first place, and yet clinged on to the idea that maybe with the injured guys we could be better. Right. Like you had three draft picks that you didn't need to move and you did it anyway. It was incredibly dumb. And I just don't understand. I never understood it. I'm not surprised we're here. I it it, it just actually blows my mind that we are here, that it it wasn't just going to ride out the contract and be like, okay, it's two years of a mistake. 
that it's actually going to come to terms of like it or come to a breaking point with like they're headed towards it like they're headed towards the end of this thing in the for in one year the four moves that doomed chuck fletcher in my opinion all came in the same offseason and it's the d'angelo trade at the draft re-signing they, rasmus ristolainen re-signing the, travis the, danheim no it's the gostas bear trade it's the ristolainen well no the, well no then they're not the same offseason then was, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Then, then they were over two off. They were within okay. about a year of each other. Um, it's close. The the Tony D'Angelo trade at the draft, the Rasmus Ristolainen uh, trade, well, trade and, and, sub- and subsequent can... signing, the Shane Gostisbehere trade that was made to facilitate that deal, and um, oh, it wasn't well, Ryan Ellis. Ellis. I guess no, oh, it was. So I actually didn't include Ryan Ellis in that because well, no, because I get your point for for the price of what it was. Like everybody would make that deal, even if looking, it hasn't panned out. Yes, I and get that. Even looking back on it with three years of hindsight, you traded nothing in Nolan Patrick and and um, Phil Myers for nothing for in nothing. Ryan Ellis. So you traded nothing for nothing. The you only didn't thing, lose that trade. The only thing that you did that that doesn't work is you added a very big contract that you can't move now. That's I mean, the right. only thing. that's fair. Like, like if it wasn't working out with Nolan Patrick, that, that at least you had that ticket where it's like, well, he doesn't have a lot of contracts. So, you know, like you're, you're still stuck sitting with this contract. That's got a $6.25 million cap hit and Myers and Patrick are never going to make that in their career. That is fair. That, yeah, that is that's, fair. That's, that's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> but other than that, like, Okay, I think we should circle all the way back around to this Flyers losing streak because somehow we went way down the rabbit hole. Well, because here. you asked me about the guy who hasn't played in three games, which is part of the right. losing streak. Yeah. I'll give you that. But the, well, and we also talked about disinterest. That's where we came came from because it was a, you brought up Kevin Hayes, and that right. turned into Kevin Hayes and and D'Angelo and 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 kind of like and again the difference between a guy like Kevin Hayes and seeing the level of disinterest. So it seems anyway. I mean, listen, he'll probably tell you it's not his level of disinterest. It. Stop it. <laughs> no, I know. I don't buy it. I'm just saying he'll tell you it's not, but whatever. Um, and then, like I said, in James Van like who is, you know, I, as much as he's playing for a contract, he knows it's not with Philly, but he's still going to bat for his teammates. You know, like, right, there's, exactly. There's a different, and... like, that's what Tortorella talks about when it's being a good pro. Like, you know what the situation is. And he does, but he's going to play Van it Reimsdijk out. Has hit- James Van Riemsdyk has been put in an awful situation where the entire city wanted him traded and he was not traded through no fault of his own. And he has responded really, really professionally on and off the ice. I have nothing but the highest compliments for James Van Riemsdyk. And I really do wish him the best. I hope he goes to a spot where he's got a shot. I hope he goes to Seattle because it would just be hilarious. He signed... (laughs) He signs in Seattle four years by like two and a half million and just goes it's, and wins a cup under Dave Haxtell. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, I'll give you that. But well, by the way, cup. if Dave Haxtell wins the Jack Adams this year, I anyway, we'll, we, we can get into that later because <laughs> he's got a good chance of being a finalist. I'll give you that. I don't know if he's going to be the winner because I think it's going to be really hard to overlook a coach who 
got a yeah. second chance and set some records. Yeah, let's let's get into that. I think that actually serves as a pretty good transition. So yes, let's go to this one then. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, you may be looking and thinking, "Hey, is Kyle wearing a Boston Bruins jersey?" And yes, yes, I am. <laughs> in case you were not aware, Sunday in Philadelphia, the Boston Bruins became the best regular season of all time. Uh, setting the single-season NHL wins record, passing the Detroit Red Wings, and they were tied with somebody else. I can't remember who it was. It's 62 wins. Uh, the record... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and then the record is now 63. Correct. I'm sorry, it was Tampa Bay a couple years ago, was it not? The other team Well, so it's... it's yes. Okay. So the Boston Bruins now have the most wins in a single season in NHL history. Yep. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, the Providence Bruins beat the Philadelphia Flyers on Sunday night for the most part. Um, Linus Olmark, Linus Olmark was the other name I was thinking of who was unavailable. Uh, Jeremy yes. Swayman, Jeremy Swayman was excellent as the backup. Um, did not, we did not get to see the goalie hug because Linus Olmark was not even on the bench. Um, uh, the, the kid they brought up did his best, but I, I, I think he respectfully did not attempt to imitate. Well, they they joked he was gonna fill in and do it anyway, but like he did, he hugged him and like it was like a good hug. Like I'm not yeah, saying like he came some, up and gave him a good little hug, but, but it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't the, the goalie hug. hug, the social media hug. Yeah, I yeah I realized about halfway through filming them coming off the bench, and it's like, oh wait, he's not here. They're not gonna. They're do not it. gonna do it. Nope, not the way that we want it to anyway. But either way, um. So this is this is one of those moments for me, you know, between you know covering the Flyers, covering the NHL, covering hockey in general, that I'll I'll remember doing this game forever because of what it like what it sets at this point. Yeah, I, it's, you a were moment, there. It, it's a moment yeah. that I got to witness. There's something special about seeing NHL history. Um, there's something special about all like also in addition to watching NHL history from that respect, from a team perspective. There's something special about watching a player as talented as David Pasternak reach milestones with his 60th goal of the season and 300th of his career. Special things, like yeah. you we know. Looked, and we looked before the show, and I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit. We okay. were talking about David Pasternak and the fact that he hit 60 and had a hat trick, and he's had all this success against the Flyers. We were, the, we were the really question, the question came up: How old he is? Yes, and. You start talking, well, I said 25, and you're like, oh, he's way too young. He was drafted in 2014, and I went, huh. Well, yeah, 2014, and played right away. Well, right, exactly. And we looked it up, and he is 26 years old. That's that's how you get there. He's 26, 27, exactly. So um, the reason why that came up, by the way, the reason that came up is because he's now, if he's already at 300 goals in his career, and you've got like, geez, I mean, at least 10 to 15 years of runway left. Assuming he stays healthy, knock on wood. I mean, we're looking at 600 goals, probably. And seven is not out of the realm no, it, of possibility. Oh, certainly not. But we're looking at doubling that. A thousand points and is especially is absolutely going to happen. Think about it. What's scoring done in the last three to five Oh, it only goes. Yeah, I know. It's only going higher. And and if things open up even more, if the game gets faster and more skill-based, David Posternak has proven well, he has the skill set to keep well, up. And not only that, but here's the thing I think, and this year in particular is really important for that. 
because he hasn't always had the chance to play with, you know, like, like before in, in years past, especially early in his career, it would have just been, it would have been the story of, well, look who he's playing with. He's got Marshawn and Bergeron. Like, of course he's getting points. Look at who's helping set him up. And he plays on that power play and all, the, and he still does play on that power play. I get it. But I've seen more from him this year in particular, where he does it himself. He's the best player on that team. And it almost feels like by a mile. Like that that run to the Stanley Cup finals, I think, is really where a lot of people in twenty nineteen I'm talking about when they lost yes. to the Blues. Um, that I think is really where a lot of people looked at David Pasternak and went from, okay, he's benefiting playing on this line with these all time great players, you know, Bruins legends, you know, surefire Hall of Famers in and of themselves, to oh, he's like a real contributor. And then as time has gone on, it and maybe Bergeron slowed down a little bit. Maybe, you know, Marchand has uh, focused a little more on uh, other activities. Uh, But it becomes more and more clear that offensively speaking, that offense and especially that power play runs straight through David Pasternak. Well, and I'll I'll give you two examples of this from just watching him on Sunday in general. Actually, I. You know, probably both watching Saturday and Sunday because on Saturday, Boston didn't have many power. I think they had one power play in the game on Sunday against the Flyers. So there's not a lot of time to see. And, and again, look, without Bergeron, it changes things to begin with. Um, but there's there wasn't a lot of opportunity to see the power play run through whomever, like when there's only one. But they had plenty on Saturday. And every chance that they got was get it over that direction. Let him just fire away. Oh, they were and feeding them. Now, and here's the thing. With only one power play on Sunday, he had 10 shots on goal in the game. Everything was, you know, get it over to him. Somehow. Hey, it, the phrase look, shooter it, shoot was invented for David Pasternak. Sure. And Ellen, here's the thing. He gets a two on. He gets into a two on one as he's going down for the hat trick. And look, you, I, I'll just be blunt about it. You're an idiot if you didn't think that Tyler Bertuzzi was passing Come back on. to him. Like right. everybody knew where it was going. And the only thing that he did that was a little deceptive is, and I agreed with this because I think Darren Pang said this on the broadcast, you're thinking he's going to go high glove, high glove. and just yep. rip it. And he just put it five hole instead, which, yep. you know, that's a, that's goal scoring for that's you. A, that's, that's a goal Gretzky score goal right there. Right. But that's, a, it is, but that's a goal score for you. Who knows? I'm, you know, I, he's thinking this, so I'm going to do the, uh, like to, yep. something totally different. He's going to um, be selling out for top glove, which means his five hole is all mine. <laughs> um, now being, look, being on the other end of history is always going to sting to some extent. Um, no, it was, you know, it wasn't surprising given what both teams have been through this season. And like I said earlier, I give the Flyers credit that this was way more of a game from them than I would have ever expected. The last handful with the way, like I said, with the way St. Louis and Dallas and the Islanders was going, it just looks like it, like it just looked like this way, the way a team typically does when you get to game 75, 77, 80 of another frustrating season, you just want it over with. Yep. Right. Now, I want to talk about something else that kind of goes into this, and because I know you texted about this a little bit, so I want to kind of get Bef- into... Before we dive on that, I do want to make one more mention of history. Uh, oh, sure. For the record, I didn't expect the game to be close enough for Jeremy Swayman to be shooting at an empty net. You <laughs> well, caught when that the empty one? Net was, well, no, but when the empty net was there, I had my eyes all over. Like, if and the he wanted it. Well, if, 
both of them, what it doesn't matter which goalie gets to start, both of them are very much the type where it's like, if it's there, I'm trying. I'm and doing like, it. Absolutely. Like, Allmark is prepared to go for a second one this year, and Swayman looks like he wants his. So and quite frankly, like, they'll both be looking in the playoffs, too. It's not going to stop either one of them. When your coach comes out publicly... Well, yeah, it tells you it's, it's two, in one... When it, well, first of all, it was a two-goal game, and I think that makes all the difference. It's a 5-3 game at that point. The Flyers have the net when Swayman shot. Yes. In the playoffs, I think he's taken that same shot every time because Patrice Bergeron's on the ice, and you've already had your coach come out and say, right. well, if we have to win we're a face-off, we're okay. And I, man, I, I know we've talked a little bit about this Bruins team, and we've talked a little bit about the fact that we're doing a playoff prediction next week. But spoiler alert, they ain't going out early in my bracket. <laughs> well, I hear you there. Um, well, speaking of being good at faceoffs, by the way, do you realize what Thomas Nosek's percentage was in the game last night for faceoffs? He was he was fifteen of sixteen on faceoffs. That's a ninety three point eight percent success rate. Like tell, tell me it's game like, seventy eight without telling me it's game seventy eight. Well, it, well it, eighty at this point, but still. Oh, fair like, enough. But like my point was, look how good he is at faceoffs, and Bergeron's not playing, and yep. and Krejci is there too. Well, and Krejci's not playing right now either. So right. Pavel Zaka was fifty percent on faceoffs. You know, like the, like the Flyers actually did have some guys who were north of fifty, were at fifty, but like. Sean Couturier hasn't touched the ice this year. No, I know. I I meant in the game. Not no, I know. I'm just I just mean in general. Like that's but either your, way. That's your um, face-off guy now. Okay, so I want to talk about something else, kind of around this game for a second, because obviously, and you texted about this a little bit because the noise level uh, was was I guess very palpable on the broadcast as much as it was where I was sitting in the building. It legitimately sounded and like okay we. We sit here and talk about, oh, it's not like a Rangers home game and blah, blah, blah. And what we mean by that is when the Rangers score, you hear Rangers fans cheering. This was not that. This sounded like a Bruins home game in the fact that it let's go Bruins chants all night, uh, uninterrupted. um, Right. Multiple. Like, and listen. I talked about it on the Rangers uh, on the Rangers thing sure. you know when that happened a couple weeks ago. It's going to happen, right? And this trip wasn't quite as easy. I'm not sure how many people came down from Boston, but seemed like a pretty good amount. Well, you, but what I what I mean is I don't know how many people came down from Boston and how much it was every Boston fan within 60 minutes of the Wells Fargo Center came out because Well, sure. I, I get that. And it's history. And here's the thing. Fans are going to come out for an opportunity to see history. I'd be curious to watch those StubHub ticket prices on Saturday evening and see if they jumped at the end of that game. Sure. Well, all right. So I got a whole little clip of notes here from this whole thing because this was was really going around all day. And it's not that I don't get it. It's I just want to kind of clarify the difference between from the Ranger game to this game because here's the thing. I don't – and I don't have this written down, but I'm just going off of my own viewpoint of it. 
I don't think there were more Bruins fans in the building percentage wise than Ranger fans from that game. I don't think it was quite like I told you it was probably like 70 30 for that Ranger game. I don't think it was quite that. It was closer to 50 50 probably on this one, but they were louder okay. because of what was at stake because they're going to the play. Like, and then I look, I understand the Ranger fans who show up in, for a game in March are going to get loud, but. It's still just a regular season game. No, in March. Ra- Rangers fans suck. We can just say that. Well, no, no, no. But I'm just, I, I wouldn't say that, but I will, you know, yeah, bite, I know you will bite me Rangers fans, <laughs> but no, but th- this, and, and, and let me tell you by loud playoff loud, like, yep. The, the, so I talked earlier, was, I talked earlier about a lot of beatdowns this type of year, a lot of seven, one games. The players are getting themselves in a right. playoff form. The fans are too, baby. Boston well, is so, ready. So here's where I want to take this whole thing. So just allow me a minute or two here to kind of go yeah. through this. John Tortorella said something after the game, this particular game, that really resonated with me, that I felt like was a big summary of, of this. And look, there's a lot of stuff that gets said in post games at this time of year that you can see right through because it's nothing more than cliche and – You know, he Tortorella himself kind of teeters on the edge of being the upfront and honest guy with sticking up for the team and the organization and basically almost gaslighting the fans into talking about, you know, more competitive efforts and being involved in games and maybe more on the progress and all that type of stuff. Like he really kind of like he walks that line a little bit. And some days it's very much believable and other days it's like, what are you talking about? Like anybody who pays attention can see that. But in this case, he talked again about going through the pain and, you know, having Boston fans take over the building as part of the process and where they currently are. And I'll, I want to read the quote that I think stands out the most. And then, so here's, here's what he says. He goes, that's how you build a team. You don't win when you build, you have to go through some crap. The losing sucks. What, you know, it's our seventh game in 11 nights, I think. But when you're losing the amount of games we have of late, that takes the energy out of you, out of you too, as far as there's just no fun. But that's part of it. You have to go through it. No team builds the proper way by winning right away or not going through this stuff here. It's all part of it. And we're going to keep on going about our business and get to the next steps as we move forward here. The part that really stands out to me, and I'll repeat the line again. The losing sucks. It's our seventh game in 11 nights, but when you're losing the amount of games we have of late, that takes the energy out of you too as far as there's just no fun. The reason that this stands out is, again, a lot of comments over the last 24 hours about how embarrassing it is to see Boston fans do what they did, the size of the crowd, the hats on the ice for a hat trick by an opposing player. A lot of hats. Yeah. The let's go Bruins chance. They were chanting by the end of the game. They were chanting. We want the cup and so on. Like uh, I get it. Oh, they own that building by the end of that game. Sure. Here's the thing. It's a two way street. If you find that embarrassing, you have the ability to change that as a fan. Put a product on the ice. That isn't embarrassing. uh, Hold on. You can, I hear you. You can, but like as a fan, you can buy the ticket and take the seat and come down and make sure a Boston fan doesn't get the ticket if you or don't want to buy the happen. ticket and not go if you're really. Well, wrong. I hear you there, but like, but so like, but the truth is, if you don't like it, buy the tickets. 
But if you are also fed up and tired of watching the product on the ice and your answer is don't spend not, your money, I'm not buying tickets anymore. I refuse to give them my money until things get better and it's worth then it to me. the tickets are available and for this fans is gonna of the happen. other team. Right. Yep. And this is going to happen. Consider this. Okay. It's Easter Sunday. The Phillies were playing across the street in the afternoon. There's three more games left at that time in an, uh, in another frustrating and forgettable season. Most sports fans in this town want the season over with just so there isn't a constant reminder that like, oh yeah, they're still playing games. Like, honestly, when I put a preview out there and I have to tweet out, yeah, the Flyers are back on the ice on Tuesday night to play. It's like, like you're waiting for the comments of really, they're still going like, isn't it over? I thought it was over. It felt like it was over in December, right? Like six, ABC, six ABC sports section cannot wait to get their 45 seconds of time back from oh, Sean sure. Flyers highlights. Right now, and then take the other side. Boston's going for an NHL record. Has a player about to score 60 goals. Is as legitimate a cup contender as anyone out there in the league, obviously. So the fans are willing to travel. That's how it And goes. also, it might be, it, any local fans, it also might be their last chance to see Patrice Bergeron. I don't know if, as well, local Boston fans, I guess. Well, I'm yes. saying, if you're a local Boston fan and... He ended up not playing, so I mean, unfortunately, no, I know. if that's why you were coming. Well, local, well, different story, too, because local Boston fans may have had this already circled, and it's like, oh, I'm getting tickets. Oh, but yeah. then others probably jumped in when it was like, oh, look what's at stake, too. You know, like, I, oh, I get that. Like but I said, they, tracking that price on Saturday night, I'm sure prices went up. You no, know, they might have a little. I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't check on Sunday specifically, but either way. Right. Um but think like, OK, so to go off of that, when when you look at Boston's whole big picture here, going for the record player on the verge of 60 goals against a team that he plays incredibly well against. So, you knew, even though he was on 57 coming in, the possibility exists. You know, they're a legit cup contender by being, you know, the president's trophy winner, all that. So so you're willing to travel. Right. Think about the days. And this still happens in some cases like this isn't like a, a, a thing, like a day's past kind of thing. When you would watch an Eagles game in Washington or a Phillies game in Washington and people from Philly traveled and traveled well because they wanted to support their team because of how successful it was while the teams in Washington were awful. You have like if you have a problem with that, then you shouldn't have a problem when somebody else does it to you because your team is god awful. Yep. You know, look, it, it's the same thing. It's not really like. It, the, like the word is not I mean, look, I understand where embarrassing comes from when you see this, but the re, like the, the word that you need to use with it is reality. That's yep. what it is like. You can either make your voices heard and save your time and money on something that you feel, you know, like is more worthwhile for you specifically, or you can go fill the seats and help ensure that even if they really wanted to, no opposing fan can get in. You can't have it both ways. In times that are like this. And the only thing you can hope for at this stage of the season and or at this stage of the whole thing is that changes continue to come because of things like this. Like that was the whole conversation we had because we, when we did the Rangers stuff, when, when it happened against the Rangers, it was fresh off like our show anyway. It was fresh off the deadline debacle. And it's like, well, nothing's changed either. That's why it's really frustrating. It's like, look at this. Rangers fans are taking over your building. It's all the same people upstairs. So who cares at this point? Like, does anybody care that this is happening? At least now, like, like, listen, by changing up a couple of things, like, you know, firing your general manager and having a new CEO of Comcast Spectacor, it didn't mean that it was going to change things overnight for the rest of this season. So you kind of still have to eat it. Yep. You know, but, but again, 
to go back to kind of the whole big picture of this from an overall hockey perspective, you know, kudos to the Boston Bruins for what they've done. I, you know, I, I watched, I watched essentially all of Saturday's game against the devils that they played, which by the way, that has me geared up for what's next, like a week from now. Cause oh. that, felt, that felt like playoff hockey. It has me ready to go. It, you know, they got, and that team it, just in general, that team has gotten contributions from top to bottom. It's been as complete a team as I've seen in the league in a long time. Like, I think you kind of have to go it's back to the way Tampa to was. Yeah, it is special to watch. And, and, and it's, you know, and you know, like you, you meant you brought up Dave Haxtell and the Jack Adams. And like, I, I think it's really hard to avoid giving Jim Montgomery the Jack Adams for Montgomery. everything. Like, yeah. like, and how, like, and here's the thing too. How do you not feel good for him? Oh, like, sure. The guy who was out pretty much essentially done with his NHL career from a coach. Never work again. Right. And gets his second chance and turns it into the, you know, the best <laughs> team that we've ever seen. Yep. That is, that has the most wins in NHL history and is, two points away from having a record for points in a season so, by themselves. I know the Bruins have a really good um, like social media department, a good digital department. I know behind the B is a big thing, but this is the last dance. We all know it. We pulled David Krejci back from the check, you know, from <laughs> Czechia to come be on this team. We know David Posnock's contract is up. We know blah, 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 blah. We know this, that, the other. We know Patrice Bergeron might be retiring. They're a better, better be a documentary crew following this team. Because holy smokes. Like I said, they are special to watch. I mentioned earlier that in our preseason, or in our uh, playoff uh, predictions next week, we're going to be talking about them quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Man, the Bruins exactly. are the Bruins are the definition of a wagon too. Oh yeah, front, back, up, down, you left, know, right. Their well, goalies are a tandem who love each other. It's uh. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing about two of those players that you mentioned, though. By the way, and yes, listen, there is as much as it feels like last dance. And, and listen, I think if they win, it's going to be really hard for guys to not just go out on top. But if anybody but, can do it, it's Patrice Bergeron. What do you mean, like and go out back? on top? No, oh, no, 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 no. Go out on top. Oh, no, Win and walk away. Oh no, no, no. What I'm saying is that, like, no, because my point is that you're like, look, we don't. The playoffs are unpredictable. We know this. So, sure. If they do win, then I do think it's the opportunity to go out on top like that. But I have heard some things, kind of from the Boston sector of the hockey world, that a lot of what was going on, especially with Krejci and leaving and all that stuff, like he did, it was a lot of that COVID. No, a lot of it was the coach. Really? That when they made the coaching change, that that it made him a little more. Quite literally, he was in. Yeah, like he was in, and wow. now they're and now they're having a lot of fun again. And it may not so much like this may not be a last dance complete. Oh, do you think Kyle Dubas just threw up in his mouth a little bit? Uh, <laughs> look, and 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 again, that's what I've heard. Right. I don't, you know. Like, I don't know if I don't know what the discussions like around the league and all that stuff like that. But like, you got to wonder if uh, like, you know, if if these guys do decide to come back for for more, what Run it's going it to look like, how six, yeah. you know, but yeah. Um, so uh, how about we do? How about we get this and we start talking the, while we're on the Bruce well, and I did want to hit on one this. more. 
I did hit want to hit one more little historical thing. So oh, okay, you were gonna do that because uh, I okay. I do consider this history. So uh, we are recording this on Monday evening, and uh, as we record here, currently at about eight fifty two Eastern time, uh, the Ottawa Senators are taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during this game, hold on, I want to get the the timing right. I did just have it up. Um, so at the seventeen twenty six mark of the first period. Uh, Tim Stutzler scored with an assist from Claude Giroux and another one from Brady Kachuk. Uh, that assist from Claude Giroux will serve as his 1,000th career NHL point. Correct. Um, so I do just want to make us the first podcast on earth to congratulate Claude Giroux for 1,000 <laughs> career NHL points because we are recording it while that game is still going, and I doubt can anyone we, uh, beat us to the punch. Can we uh, Can we extend? Because Well, you mentioned it's historical, and guess what? You would be right because you know what his, is really historical about this? All right. Um, because we might as well get this in here as well. At the 337 mark of the second period in the Dallas-Detroit game, Joe Pavelski also joined the 1,000-point club with oh, a deflection goal. It is the first time in NHL history that two players have reached 1,000 on the same night. And they both did just in the most... Predictable ways for Personal both way possible, right. Yes. Pavelski with a tip-in and Claude Giroux with an assist off a turnover. We love it. love it. Yeah, we love um, it. But but I do, you know, like, uh, look, obviously, congratulations you know, to both. Well, congratulations to both. But obviously, we're putting a little bit of an emphasis on Giroux here because, you know, we, most of those look, points came in a Flyers uniform. Yes. And here's the other thing, too, by the way. Um, Giroux, when he left or when he was done playing for the team. Had a pretty round number in points. games. Well, in games and points, because he had 900 points. He had 900 points, right? Okay, right. Because he had 23 more points in the 18 games of Florida, and good now for, is at 77. With good for Claude Ottawa. with 100 points over the last, you know, year and a bit. Good for that him. Would be, that would be a total of what? So eight. that's 99 games to get to 100 more points. So he still got it. Point per game player. <sighs> Claude, cap, congratulations. <laughs> So uh, now, unfortunately, though, if we're going to segue to this, um, unfortunately, yeah. you know, this is cool that Claude Giroux gets this or whatever. But I think he'd rather, instead of the thousandth point, be playing playoff hockey, and he's not going to be. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, the Auto Senators are going to fall a little bit short this year. They did stay in the race a lot longer than I think a lot of people thought they would. Um, but oh, yeah. Unfor- unfortunately, as we come down the stretch here, they, they're out. Um, they're just too far out to make it up. Um Honestly, there's yeah. really only one race. Or there's one race in each conference, and it's for the wild card. Um, the division um, are... by play by playoff spot. Yes, there's a couple other races That's within. That's like, fair. so at this stage of the game, I'll I'll, I'll run it down because I do have it in front of me. Yeah. Um. So we we already we already said Boston's won the President's Trophy on top of being one of the like uh, two weeks greatest, ago. <laughs> right? Like on top of being one of the greatest teams, the well, the greatest regular season team of all time, really at this point. That does indeed earn them. Uh, home ice advantage through the postseason. Sure. And at this point, there's actually there's no drama for the rest of the Atlantic either because Toronto pulled away in second. So locked up that margin, their that margin is too much to make up. It's Toronto, Tampa in the first round of the playoffs. Toronto yep. is going to have home ice. Can't wait. That's a oh, good playoff series man. to start off with, right? Um, I, I, pick, I pick the blue team. Good call. Um, yeah. Uh, I pick seven games. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> That's uh, what I pick. 
Um, I pick now, I pick Braden Point more than four goals. Oh, for the whole series? Ooh, yep. I like that. Now it doesn't yeah. that doesn't help me beyond the regular season because no. I'm not playing fantasy anymore. Me but neither. <laughs> but you know what? If I if I get the trophy, or, well, like I said, my dad and I split the team. But if we get the trophy at the end, which we're in a good spot right now because we are in a championship and we're holding serve at the moment, let's just call it that. But I'm not hey, going to try to jinx. But also, if you're a long time listener to the show, uh, Mike lost in fantasy hockey, so. Love that. All right. Um, on. Uh, there, so, but, but the Metro, the Metro is very intriguing um, because even though we know what three teams are going to be the top three in the Metro, the we really can't, give, up we can't give you an order. It's going to be anything. It's yeah, Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers are all separated by three points. Yep. And Carolina is, as mentioned, currently trailing the Ottawa Senators. So, and the Rangers are beating Buffalo two to one. Yeah, so this, um, do we, this division do we is have, just... Uh, and New, oh, New Jersey doesn't play tonight, by the way, so New Jersey's idle. I hope we'll... for the good of the league that Carolina can win that division just so we get New Jersey-New York in the first round because holy be fun. smokes, give me four to seven games of that. Come yeah, on. Um, now, let me double-check something here. It's, okay, so and this is as they go to the third – or they're in the third period, I should say, but um, – Florida is playing Toronto. Um, not not necessarily. That is still no. kind of. Well, oh, no, no, no. Florida's and, playing Toronto right now. I'm sorry. Right. Sorry. And no. And uh, Florida is trailing one nothing. I okay. believe I saw with a win. Florida is in. Interesting. So, that makes sense. Right. So because of that, um, or not because of that, but it's like so with a win, like Florida has a clinching scenario, or at least has a clinching scenario tonight. But a win is part of the equation. It'll be the same with the Islanders, but they're currently down three nothing with the Capitals after two. So which you know, well, so there's there's two things here to consider. Then one of which one is Florida thanks the Islanders and vice versa because it helps both at this point. Right. Um, but Pittsburgh is really thanking both of them right right about now. And now Florida is a lot like look, oh, it's a one goal game. And by the way, Florida is out shooting Toronto thirty two to fifteen as we speak. Ooh. So, so I think you can imagine that there's a team making a push right now to possibly the get in there. Make, and all one team's like trying that. to make the playoffs. The other is known who their their first round matchup has been since about Thanksgiving. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's really, but but really, and and, and the, other, the other part of the equation, by the way, is Buffalo is trailing, as I mentioned, trailing the Rangers going to the third period there as well. But if Buffalo does not win this game. Given everything else, they will be out. They'll be done. Yeah, and Pretty they're all, they have to win the rest of their games and get a little bit and of get help. lost. They're basically hanging on right. by a thread, so it's and, more than likely over. But you know what? Honestly, if you're looking at the Atlantic Division for next year, you got Buffalo, mm-hmm. Ottawa, Detroit, all right there, sure. all ready to take another step forward. Man, the Atlantic's going to be fun for a couple years. Yeah, I want here. now. Here's here's the thing. So basically. We've got the final nine teams. Like we, we know six that are in. We have two teams battle, well, two spots available. Three teams realistically battling for it. So we we're down to nine teams that could be in. We know a lot of this already. Do you want to go over what our predictions in the East were versus what happened? Some of them are going to be easy, by the way. Like let's just take some of the drama out of this. By the way, okay. we both got Car- we both got Carolina, we both got the Rangers, we both got Tampa, and we both got Toronto. Let's okay. just wipe those four out so we cut it in half and we can nice and easy. Conde- right. condense it for time, right? I know for um, a fact I had the Boston Bruins out. That's one of the reasons I am wearing this jersey today. I am paying a penance for that. <laughs> there you go. That's fair. Um, 
does it does it count if I paid mine back at a wedding in November? Because <laughs> I did wear yes, it for a, I, I wore it in public, no less. So I really made it count at a um, place where pictures are going to get taken. <laughs> oh, there's fo- there's photographic <laughs> evidence somewhere. I don't, I, exactly. I don't have it. I don't have it like immediately available, um, but I, but it's there. It exists. Um, I also, by the way, did not have Boston in, and I actually took the quote from our episode earlier in before the season started about why I didn't think they were going to make it. I actually said I think they're going to. It's going to be a bit of a long year with the guys they are missing. It was, you know, spoiler alert. It was not, and a bunch of those guys were not out as long as everybody thought they were going to be, and that kind of helped too. I did not think their goalies were going to be as good as they were. Although I'm not disappointed because thank you, Lena Solmark and fantasy again. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. But I did not have them in either. Um, do you ha- do you recall who the rest of your who your other four teams were that didn't or that may not make it? I'll say it that way. In in the East, um, yes. I think I had. I think did I have Pittsburgh in? You had Pittsburgh in. Okay, I thought which I had which Pittsburgh which still no which still could be it true still is by a the way. Possibility, right? Well, and by um, the way, I, I also had Pittsburgh. I had the Rangers in, did I not? Yeah, I already said that. We already. Okay, yeah, we, okay, okay. We, I, I took out the easy ones, like the ones right, that right, were right, so right. surefire. Did I? Did I had the Devils in, right? Because that no, was the, you didn't. the surprise. I had them out. Wow. No, you had. So you had the tried and true top four as we've known it. Washington, before. Pittsburgh. Um, right. So you had Carolina Rangers, Pittsburgh, Washington, Tampa, Toronto, and then kind of the two that you substituted in for the likes of a Boston and whatnot were Detroit and Ottawa. Okay. Which I understand where you were coming from doing it. By sure. The way. I feel good about the call, but by the way, my eight were Carolina Rangers, Pittsburgh, Washington, Tampa, Toronto, Ottawa, Florida. Um, so I may be, I may end up being right about one extra one than you were, but um, that's, that's about it. We both like, we both whiffed, on New Jersey, I the quote I have from myself because you really just kind of gave your list and I did the explanations with it Fair. more so. But the uh, the quote that you or the quote that I gave for New Jersey was I still think it's too early. I think they'll be better, but it's still going to be too early. Wrong. Um, so they're just a wagon. By, by the way, for Washington, I had Washington in the playoffs, but I was closer on this one probably than most would be because I actually said I, I'll have I'll I have them in. But if one team's going to screw this up, it's, it's going to be them. And I, so I actually said those words. Um, and in fairness, if the Islanders pull this out and make it, uh, I had if anyone's going to challenge to knock Washington out, I'm curious to see what the Islanders do. Last year made no there sense for them. So close enough. Uh, I do take credit for getting – if Florida makes it, I'll take credit for the fact that I said I don't see much of a drop-off. So it was a little bit of an interesting year. They Not necessarily correct about that. Right. They won the President's right. they did it last a, year, right? right. Yeah, and they did it. A, okay. They did it a backwards way, but they would still be a playoff team, so that would work. It's not how you start; um, it's how you finish. Now, my response for De- I did not put Detroit in like you did, but my response for Detroit was: it's tough to leave them out. Everything I like about Ottawa is oh, everything I like about Ottawa is the guys they already had that continue to develop on paper. I really like their off season. Uh, on paper, I really like Detroit's off season, I should say. But there's not enough names for me to be convinced. So. Fair it enough. kind of had to do with like I don't know, and it if kind they of had played same... out that way. Right, they, they were probably one piece short. If they have one more like top six forward, they might be in contention for a playoff spot. But um, so that was that was the whole thing with the East, and we really whiffed on the Boston thing. Yeah, we sure um, did. 
Uh, all right, but I think a do, lot of people did. Want to do the West? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so, you want to do the easy part first again? Uh, well, yeah. Let me let me rattle off who's there right now because we haven't actually sure. talked about the Western oh, yeah, yeah, Conference sorry, as it sits currently. And the um, uh, and the scenarios. Uh, the the right. central is fun. The central is wide open. It looks a lot like uh, the top three in the Metro right now in terms of Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota are all the teams that are going to be there in the top three spots. It's just kind of a matter of who ends up shuffling where. Um, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, any combination of them is just going to be a really incredibly fun matchup in the first round. Colorado has got a massive advantage here with the game on Friday. I mean, massive in the fact that they get to play the pretty much the last game of the year and already have a two point lead. Like they might go into that and look, they may already know that they've won the division. They may, they may may be able to rest guys, right? Well, no, they may be able to get a point out of the game and not have to go crazy with it. I mean, they're only they're playing. Well, I almost say only they're playing Nashville, and Who that's really intriguing. A... Also, because Nashville yeah. is not dead yet. Like that no. could be that could be all or nothing for Nashville. That could be a a game where the division and the playoffs are on the line. Sure, and that's um, that's a playoff game in my books. Win or go home. I, I, one thing I do think about the, the the way that the central stacks up now is, and I'm I don't, I don't want to say I'm not surprised. I'm kind of um, like with Minnesota, like I like I kind of understand how Minnesota's third in that division is what I'm kind of getting at. I really didn't want to see a, a scenario where Colorado and Dallas had to play each other in the first round. I don't want to see that. I really would love it if that was the second round. You know, save that. Yeah. To me, that that just feels like the two best teams out of that division, and I'd want to see that later. But the thing is, the the winner of that division, I know they're that gonna is get... probably the hardest wild card matchup. Well, hold you're going to get whoever doesn't make it out of the cent- or out of the Pacific. You're going to get either well, LA or Seattle. Probably. Well, hold on, you don't know that because maybe that's what's at stake for Colorado in the Vegas last game. is going to pick up two, four point, two or three or four more points over their last two games. And like, what if they slip up gonna... though? Even, no, even no, but even in just one game, they only really need two points to put some comfortable distance there. They have Seattle, who again is going to be a team that's fighting. So that's um, a tough you know what? No, I'll tell you what. They like for everybody and else. They have Seattle there. again. Both games are against Seattle. Oh my god! Oh my god! I, I Vegas' love- last two games are against Seattle. I love this. I love it so oh much. Oh my god! And see, and Seattle's trying to avoid playing a division winner. And so Thursday's like, game is already on ESPN. Um, oh oh that's my awesome. god! Holy smokes! The NHL schedule makers just sometimes they have sometimes they have a winner. They they, they 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 no they they whiffed on no games on Friday and the two games on Sunday being kind of like uh you know like you know like sometimes at least they. Friday, Sometimes they send you to Europe in November, but then sometimes they give you stuff like this. Sure. Um, <laughs> well, because here's here's the part, like, because here's the other part of it that I'm not like. Let's let's go to the drama of the Pacific. Then, who's winning the division? Because there's not a guarantee that it's Vegas. It could be Edmonton, and Edmonton has been on a freaking tear. In the right. last few weeks, they're about, so, about as unbeatable as anybody, like uh, close to as unbeatable as Boston has been. 
Yeah, so the Pacific is a really interesting dynamic. You have Vegas and Edmonton as the top two teams. They're fighting it out for winning the division. Then you have LA and Seattle that are there fighting it out uh, as we for sit here right now. And wild right. card. As we sit here right now, LA has 80 games played, 100 points. Seattle has 79 games played, 98 points. So things are right up in the air for that. And then uh, the winner will play Edmonton. The loser will play probably the winner of the Central as it sits right now. But I don't know who I'd rather play. I, I'd rather play a division winner than Connor McDavid in the first round sure. after his 150-point season. You got some, like... That's because, by the way, Connor be... McDavid hit 150 points since our last show. <laughs> Hello? You want to keep, keep going with this around the league stuff, by the way? So, McDavid, yes, you're right. McDavid hit 150 points, whatever. By the way, literally, as I'm speaking to you about this... um. More NHL history. Eric Carlson just got to 100 points on the season. He's only the oh. sixth, only the sixth defenseman ever to probably do that. Just, probably just won the Norris too, then. Um, and first defenseman, by the way, since 91-92 when Brian Leach did it. So, quite literally, something we haven't seen in 31 years. Yep. You know, and and that tracks out nicely because the 150 point thing was uh, what 95, 96, the last something time like that. Happened. Yeah, it's it, like we're really seeing like this is where the game's going from an offensive standpoint for and sure. That, and that's um, why I mentioned that David Pasternak stopping at 700 is not oh, yeah. <laughs> him getting to 700 um, is not out of the realm. So okay, so you so we already covered basically. So we covered the central the central race is very much a big thing. The Pacific Division title race, the Pacific third place race, and then. For the last wild card spot, you have one spot available and three teams that are still really like alive in the thing. And somebody decent is going to miss out. Somebody like, decent. Um, somebody. Decent. Who, you know, you know, no, I'll tell you what it's really going to be. It's not going to be just somebody decent misses out. It's going to be somebody who's going to regret not turning it on soon enough. Well, and it's, it's, I think it's, that's going to be I think Calgary and Nashville could fall into that category if we make it. I am rooting so hard for Nashville because they sold at the deadline. And if they can win their last couple games, get a little lucky with the, the math elsewhere and sneak in after trading away Tanner Janot and getting five assets, uh, tra they traded somebody else. They traded Ekholm away to, to the Oilers. Right. And I mean, and got Tyson Barry back, which has kind of been a nice fit for them. But Sure, like but you know what I mean. And we're talking about the fact that they have reduced assets and are still sitting here right in the thick of the playoff race. I, Bill Poyle, I, I know he's, or David Poyle, I know he's retiring, but I, he's done yeah. a fantastic job. He is going out supremely strong. So I'm trying to look and see, okay, that, see that, that does make it intriguing. Cause okay. So Nashville plays later tonight, about a nine thirty start time. We're a little shy of that right now. And they play Calgary. Which is already cool. intriguing. Yes, that's a playoff game. Exactly. Now yeah. the the catch here is Winnipeg is already playing San Jose and winning five to two, and so, probably a game they're going to win. Oh, so yeah. right. But then, but when you get to the later part of the week on Thursday, Nashville plays Minnesota, who may not have as much to play for by Thursday because the division may Other be out of reach. Can shake out, right? right. Which you know. And, and, and they Nashville, might, they'll, no. they'll probably be playing for home ice, though. Uh, maybe. It depends so on... It's, no. it's depends. very likely that that Thursday game is a live, active game for both well, teams. The, the, the key here... Well, okay. Here's the key. So, Minnesota tomorrow plays Winnipeg. Ooh. I know. What a game. Um, and then after that, 
Winnipeg plays Colorado while Nashville plays Minnesota. And that's on that last day of the season, right? right? So there's a distinct possibility that because of what's at stake, Winnipeg could lose the last two games of the season. There's a possibility because of what's at stake that both of those games on that final day matter. Sure. And I I think the NHL would love nothing more. Well, and and by the way, can I add also, because Winnipeg's home tonight against San Jose. They're on the road against Minnesota and then on the road against Colorado while Nashville, while Nashville will be home against Minnesota and then home against Colorado on Thursday, Friday. I I knew that they were going to be home toward the end of the week because those are the games that got postponed because their arena was flooding. Right. But so if you can get a situation where maybe that means something for Nashville, you know? Oh, yeah. Maybe. They find a way because it's at home to get the crowd into it and find a way to be, you know, kind of still hanging in that race. We'll see. Um, okay. But a lot let's, of fun. Uh, but a lot of fun stuff going on. So one, you yeah, want to hit our predict? Let's hit our predictions on this. Yeah. Sure. All right. So do you want to do you want to do your hear yours first? Let me or? let me let me rattle off the ones I think we both got in common because I think we both had Colorado. Uh, I think we. Yes, I'm making sure of this. Yeah, we okay. both had Colorado. I think easily. we both had Vegas. We did not. Really? Did I have Vegas out? No, you had them in. I did. I had them in. Okay. Come on, you. Uh, come that, on. I don't know why. I, I, I'll, I'll. You want me to read you the quote that I had for Vegas not making? Yeah. Me? I don't think they make it because I don't like their goaltending. Logan and I was proven wrong, so I'll eat it. Logan Thompson you know? through the first forty games. Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay. Well, and then, and then they go and get Jonathan Quick too. Which I know. Good. Oh man! If right, do you want, want to hit? Do you want to hit? If we get Vegas, uh, LA in the first round, oh, mama mia, that's a spicy <laughs> matchup. Yeah, oh, yeah. come uh, on! Right, do you want? Do you want to hit a couple of the obvious ones that we both? Yeah, go for had? it. Go for it. All right, we we both had Edmonton and LA. Uh, okay. Both got that one. Um, we ultimately both had like we both had Colorado. We said we both had Dallas. Okay. Four, um, four that we had. I had a couple of really bad misses in this one. You didn't do near as bad. And I, oh, by the way, I I um, know I had Anaheim. I know that's a pretty rough one, but that's the only rough one you had because the rest of your playoff teams, at least as of today, and this is look, this can change. But the only rough, like here's the rest of your playoff teams. So we we said Edmonton, L.A. You said Vegas, Colorado, Dallas. You also had Minnesota in there correctly, and and you had Calgary. Um, Let's go, so we Calgary. Both, no, we both had Calgary, by the way. So I won't. I look. I I actually said something worse than just having Calgary, and I said they were going to win the Pacific. Oof. Uh, yeah, I struck out bad on that. Yeah, um, we talk about teams not playing for their coaches. Man, that's a that's yeah. A team not well, and guess what? Coach. That's a team that if they lose, like, okay, we just said they're playing Nashville in like a half hour, right? They lose to Nashville. That's trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Um, well, because they also only have two games left, so you know what? This is that like the game they're playing tonight is one of the two left. They lose, they can't catch Winnipeg because I don't Winnipeg think he should. I don't think he should. But if the Calgary Flames miss the playoffs, I wonder if Brad Treliving loses his job. I think it's becoming more and more likely, likely by the hour. And for the record, I think Brad Treliving is a smart, really good GM. And if he wants to be a president of Hockey Ops, I would call him the day after Calgary lets him go. But so that's, anyway. <laughs> so that's 
but that's potentially one of the big misses, right? Um, uh, so I'll give you my. I also, by the way, I also had Anaheim in there because I really liked their young core, and it didn't it didn't completely pan out. I mean, l- let's remember how early in the year they lost Drysdale. That was killer for them. It kind of all went off the rails very quickly. They were just. You know, you you know, you saw it pretty early in the year. They just kind of once you lose it, it's hard to get back. And they've really just you know, and they've had guys in and out of the lineup that really prevented them from ever getting on on the role that we thought they could. I guess so. It's just like I love their future. I still love their future. I'm, that's not going to change. And and if nothing else, Anaheim is going to be right up there in the draft odds. And they're getting a good player. There, I don't know. It may not be the player. And if it is. Like with a lot of teams in that bottom five, if it is that player, they become a lot more of a viable option instantly. Sure, absolutely. Yep. Um, I I had Minnesota out of the playoffs. Oh, that's I, a tough one. It is, and I will tell you what I said that was trying to justify my reasoning back in October that truth turned out to be wrong. I said I wasn't super high on Minnesota. Mark Andre Fleury, if he gets hurt, they're done. I don't love their defenseman. Well, he never got hurt. Number one, he played his usual yep. workload, and I was just wrong about a lot with that. They, they got good depth. That team. I mean, that's the, a really deep. That's a deeper team than a lot of people would think. And and as deep as that team is, the biggest question them surrounding them coming into the playoffs is going to be, and obviously, there's a little bit of a tease for next week is going to be the health of Karel Kaprizov. Oh, I think he's already back, though, isn't he? Yeah, but is he back or is he back? Well, I think I think he's back right now so that when the playoffs start, he can be back. I, I think that's the idea, <laughs> but we'll see if it actually plays out that way. Um, I will uh, – by the way, my other big whiff in this was I had St. Louis in the playoffs. Okay. Um, I kind of went more off of last year. Look, the one thing I'll say for St. Louis is once it didn't go the way that it should, they did the right thing. They Absolutely. They sold off the guys they could sell off. Now – I will give I will give myself a little credit for this one because even though I didn't have them in the playoffs, it's a team I'm not surprised to see in the playoffs kind of because I I said for Seattle, I I'm probably going to have Seattle first team out of the playoffs. I actually said that at the beginning of the did, year that I thought they were going to be the first. Team out. No, you did not have. Okay, them okay, okay. Um, now you you took your shot with Anaheim mostly, right. and That's that fair. was, you know, and then didn't really go. You didn't. You didn't veer in any direction. You basically you took Anaheim and replaced St. Louis. That was what you did from last year's playoffs. You liked everybody else that much. Okay, it played out mostly that way. And that was. And that's, this is the thing. A lot yeah. for for me. A lot of the teams because I also I like. And I'm not going to take. A, I'm not going to take the L on this yet because who knows? I had Nashville in, so I'm not I, taking the L yet. I don't think that I don't necessarily think they're making it completely, but like they're they're still hanging in there in game eighty of the year. So I'm. Not that far off. Like it's not Saint. It's not Saint Louis that was eliminated a week ago. Right. I think we're t- seeing teams shift pretty rapidly in the oh, Eastern sure. Conference right now. Um, like we've seen a lot of teams really load up at the trade deadline. We talked about you know the Blues or the the Rangers and uh, the Bruins and the Lightning and everyone's right. adding guys and Toronto's adding guys. So and in the West, you know, all those guys kind of have to come from somewhere, and they came from the bad teams in the West. Oh yeah. Things are moving a little slower out west, and the good teams are. I think the good teams are getting better, and the bad teams are getting worse, but they're all still kind of in that mid clump. 
So I want to read. I want to read off uh, my line for Seattle because yeah. it's all it's a whole lot of right things until the very last part. Okay. Uh, I, I said I'm possible. I, I said I'm possibly going Seattle first team out of the playoffs. They're going to be better than people think. A much more competitive team than people think. And I think a lot of it has to do with and stems from Maddie Beneers. Calder Trophy, future Calder Trophy winner. And Shane Wright. So I was close. <laughs> uh, one out of two ain't bad. Right. But I, I knew Beneers was going to make Well, you know what I didn't have on my bingo card there? I didn't have Jared McCann, 40 goal scorer. You know, I would be <laughs> willing to bet a lot of people didn't. Right. I didn't have that one. But Beneers being what he's been, and he was hurt for part of the year, no less. Like, he he's going to be, oh, we all, like, he's got star potential. He's going to be a yep. good one for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's really where I have it. And that's where I had it. By the way. Oh, I got one more. I got, I got a quote from that episode from you that turned out to be very prophetic. I okay. think because you said, I also think there's a pretty good chance. Someone sneaks into the playoffs in the West with like 92 points. How many you know, points is, and Winnipeg is going to have 93 at the close of tonight and be like right in that range. So you're pretty much spot on. I feel pretty good about that. And the West is pretty wide open. And I think that's the good news is I think that's going to translate into the playoffs as well. Um, like I'm looking at the the Eastern Conference matchups. And as those matchups start to crystallize, I kind of start to form some opinions about them. Um, but as I look at the Western Conference matchups, yeah, it's it's flipping a coin. It's rolling a dice. It's pretty wide open. And so. I don't know if I have it in the same document where I do the notes for the show completely, but I've written down, like, kind of tried to write down as it goes what the matchups are going to be. Right. And I'm telling you, I'm having fun looking at some of these for what they are. And I let me see if I have the – well, I can look at the standings and, get, and do them as they are at this very – literally at the moment I'm saying them. Right. Results are changing. So if it ended today, like right now, it, re, re, disregard the results of tonight. Of right. Monday night. Uh, Boston would play the Islanders. Carolina would play the Panthers. Devils, Rangers, Leafs. Well, Leafs Lightning is locked in, by the way. By the way, we, update, we, on, update on a game earlier in the show. Uh, Leafs Panthers is now tied. Brandon I know. Montour tied that game. <laughs> Panthers I'm not, fighting. But no, I'm not just saying this because I had him in fantasy all year. But what a year has Brandon Montour had? Like... Like, seriously, the guy who never put up, and I, I have to go back. I just want to check this to make sure I say the right numbers here. Guy whose career high in goals was 11 and career high in points was 37 is now at 16 goals and 73 points. Hey. What a year. That. Like, like, like to be honest, like, 13. Nice. It's a good value pick up some, right oh, there. Oh, something ridiculous because he's ranked like 70th in the league or something like that. He's been outstanding all year. It's definitely one of those value picks. Um, would would you know would recommend ten out of ten that you get yourself a defenseman like that, you know? Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, those so that was the East matchups again. Um, and I know we updated the Florida score there. By the way, do you little footnote on the Florida push? By the way, realize who's been in goal for all these games? Alex Lyon Alex taking Lyon. the world by storm. Had a game with fifty six saves. Um, stupid just flat he out is putting stupid, up, but it was he great. is putting up ridiculous numbers you can tell this is a team that's used to playing behind Sergei Bobrovsky or in front of Sergei Bobrovsky uh, they're just letting so many shots through but um, he's couldn't saving them to, all 
couldn't couldn't happen to a better guy, by yep. the way. Like, what a nice guy. He was always that kind of guy. And a story that I guarantee I've told on this podcast before, but I don't care. We talked about Alex Lyon, so I'm going to mention it again. Yeah. 2018, I think it is. It's the Calder Cup playoffs. The Philadelphia or the sorry, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Sorry. Oh, is, this good, is, this the, uh, is this the Charlotte game? Is that what it was? They played Charlotte. No, they, they played. They played the. Um, the Toronto Marlies, I believe it was oh, in the okay, second. Be, it was not no, the final. Beyond I, then, then. Oh right, 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 Conference right. final. It was the conference final. I was there. I was in the front row. I was sitting basically right along the goal line on the ice. They were great seats, amazing seats. Sure. There's a uh, great it's, building it's too, a, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's a feisty game, and I'm right next to the tunnel. Like, I'm literally right next to the tunnel where the Marlies walked out. It was a really cool seat. Yeah. There's a little uh, feistiness in the game. You know, it is the AHL. It's the third period, and there's a player down on the ice in the crease, in Lions' crease, like basically around his feet. And the play is, you know, heading down the other end, and the player is, you know, taking his time getting up because he's laying in the goalie's crease and is enjoying that. And <laughs> my my girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife, um, shouts, Kick him! <laughs> And Alex Lyon nudges the guy with his pad and then gets promptly kicked out of the game for <laughs> kicking him. That's great. I believe the Phantoms were up 4 or 5-2 at the time. Like, the game was about six minutes left. It was a pretty inconsequential removal. <laughs> but he was kicked out of the game. Uh, had the chance to ask him about it at the carnival the following year because he was up with the Flyers and uh, attended the carnival and... He maintains that it was not a kick, and I agree. <laughs> you, sh- you shoved him with your pad. <laughs> Might Either be a way. feel-good story from around the league over the last couple well, of weeks. Honestly, Alex Lyon is playing. His he has off. been a feel-good story. Um, so okay. Also, the- one of the one of the best uh, post-game interviews uh, in history with the Phantoms. If you don't know it, just search uh, Alex Lyon Mike Curse. It'll pop right up. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, because isn't isn't the catch from that that after it was over he like he says it and then goes like oh wait sorry oh he didn't say <laughs> sorry but he looked like he just kicked a puppy he <laughs> he realized he was on TV and just <laughs> well either way the, the thing I, I for a second I thought you were gonna sit there and say because he's one of the best post game interviews I've ever not, oh he not, is like, well in in terms of I still remember that he when he he came back because he had played up in, with the Flyers for a, a few games like maybe the year before or whatever. And he was back up and he finally won a game. And maybe it was like his third appearance or something. I don't remember completely. But talked for like 10 minutes after the game, which is like unheard of for players. Like player post game is usually two, three minutes tops. And he just couldn't get enough of it and like was just soaking it all in. It's great. Actually, you know what? I believe I posted this sometime at some point that I, I there was a picture that was taken of that scrum and I'm like standing to his left. That was a scrum so, workers post. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, someone uh, okay. had a photo that made its way to Twitter okay. and I just saved it, but I, I posted it again, like to read, just repost, like from like, Hey, I was down there doing stuff. So it was, and, it was pre, it was pre 2020. So um, really quick. So the Western conference active matchups as we speak, yeah, uh, would be, so Colorado would play Seattle, Dallas, Minnesota, Vegas, Winnipeg, Edmonton, LA. Yeah. Those are all, where do I sign up? Those are all coin tosses, and they're fun matchups. Like I want to see Connor McDavid versus Phil Deneau for four to seven games. That's a oh, that's yeah. a fascinating matchup. We and know you what, know, you and know what best... I really like about okay. that what yep. it sets what it could set up because yep. 
First, you, that's like, the thing about the divisional system is, yeah, everyone complains about it and you don't get the variety, the blah, blah, blah. But you get guaranteed division games in the first round and pretty likely division games in the second round. I honestly wouldn't be surprised based on if that order holds in some way, like at least the top two, if that order holds. I would not be surprised if you got the top two to move on to play each other in the second round and then got a rematch of last year's conference final with Colorado oh, yeah. Edmonton. I wouldn't oh, be yeah. shocked at all. But see, but, but here's the hard part. I wouldn't be shocked by that, but I wouldn't be shocked by some surprise team coming out of the thing either. Well, you know, and you, I think they're all good. You know, you don't have to lock in your decision now, but you will I have know, to lock it soon. But you will have to lock it in on next week's show, and that is a great transition for us to get out of here. Yep. Uh, we will be back next week to do our playoff previews. Uh, we will have our full Stanley Cup winners predictions. Um, do all the first round matchups, start talking about it as we go. Uh, honestly, we didn't even talk about this off the show, but uh, we will be moving to our every other week at some point here, our off season schedule at some point here on the show. In the meantime, we're, we'll be here this week. We'll be here next week. We'll talk about it beyond then. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on social media. Uh, Twitter's at YWT Podcast. Kevin's at Kevin underscore Durso. Find us everywhere you find your podcast. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, SportsTalkPhilly.com, YouTube. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Uh, really helps us out. Share it with your friends. Um, other than that, man, I'm just getting excited. We're about a week away from the playoffs. We're doing this on Monday night. Playoffs start one week from today. Yeah, good good hockey to come for sure. All you know, right. like it's just gonna be great to see, and I, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm so ready for it. Uh, got a couple more uh, more formal things to do on the flyer side of things first, and then uh, all focus shifts to the playoffs. And I I can't wait to do it. I'm kind of kind of curious how I'm gonna go about doing. It, if I'm just gonna sit there and tweet a lot about it, or you know, you know, whatever, but we'll see. I can't wait for our show. I can't wait for our shows during it, though, for sure. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week to talk about it. So uh, until then, one more week into the playoffs. We'll see you.